Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, Rani. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for asking, and how have you been, Haida? Yeah, I've been very well. It's my... um, I tend to do podcasts during my day offs, which is quite nice, because I can, you know, have a nice, relaxed conversation, which which is good, you know, given that in this day and age of, you know, having to run a million miles an hour and do a million things at the same time, um, while also looking uh, sane and uh, happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That's good that you um, you reserve a day and especially a day off to do podcasts and have uh, meaningful conversations. Yeah, I think conversations are really important and um whether it's meaningful or not, I mean, it depends, I guess, um, on the listeners and on the guests. I mean, I find it really interesting, you know, talking to people I've, I've you know, essentially never met, and um, but their profile looks really interesting. And the thing that made me interested about you is that you sort of, you're, you have a partner who's a psychiatrist as well. Isn't that a bit, is that good or bad? Well, this is how you look at it. I, I think we we get on very well, and many. Um, I, I think it was a tradition, in, at least in our culture. So, um, because you go off for five years to do your, you know, medical school training, you do end up with people from your own batch, and you know, or from the you know from the campus, you know, just start dating people. And I I'm very lucky to know my husband. For a very long time, even when we were in school, we went to the you know different schools, but the same college and then same medical college, same batch, and um, yeah, we were friends first. And I think yeah, it has helped that you know he also sees um, you know she has a very different take on uh, mental health, and we are able to just have a very um, you know some great conversations about mental health and what we see in a line of work and how it makes sense and what doesn't make sense to us. So. In in my case, it has definitely been positive. And you know, who was the stalker and who was the kind of rejector between the two? <laughs> well, let's not go in there. But I would say it's mutual. And we were friends first, so um, yeah. it it just took some time before the you know the friendship changed, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So 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 it's a constantly evolving relationship. You know, ups and downs. That's right. That's extrovert, right. Extrovert, <laughs> introvert, and you know. So. <laughs> different dynamics um so when you say sort of a different aspect what would you mean by that you know because you're alluding to that there's different ways in which you're both looking at Mm. psychiatry yeah yeah i think um, for a very long time uh, both of us have been disillusioned by what we call the traditional um the the medical the medical model and it just seemed that something is missing uh from what we have you know as trainee psychiatrists we went through all the you know the the training that we are supposed to you know do and read upon the evidence base and have 
experience in psychotherapy and in a, in medication and you know that's all great but there's there's a, there's a difference between what you read in your textbook and how your patients present because it seems like oh if someone has depression uh, in terms of medication, this is what you give them. In terms of psycho, you know, psych psychological treatment, this is what you give them. In social, you know, this is what you need to give them. And we see that people don't come uh, in neat, neat sort of uh, in neat boxes, so to speak. And you can't put them in in neat, neat boxes. And so they always felt like, hang on a minute, you know, we are saying this is what we learned in our training, but. Um, it's very different to just see the transformation just by applying evidence-based medicine. We haven't seen that transformation that we would have liked to see in the patients. And most of them have chronic mental health um, symptoms as well. And then so we we have fascinating conversations because we have learned lots of things since uh, we qualified and since we have been practicing as consultant psychiatrists. And the more you, we are curious, about what other, you know, you know, what approaches are there, what people think about mental health, and that um, psychiatry has this uh, fun fair, so people, you know, um, a fan fair, so people are, you know, some people are really fans of psychiatry, say that we're really doing good, and our treatment has saved lives, but there are also a proportion of people who, who you know, who claim completely the opposite. So rather than choosing to dismiss them and say, let's only listen to the people who are saying positive things about our profession. It's like, what is going on there? Why are people so upset with our you know, profession? What are we doing wrong? And I guess because we have been curious, we have um, been following the science, so to speak, of you know, some of the literature that's coming up. And, and, and we, we realize that there's so much more that we can do um, to, help, uh, to help people and transform lives. That's what I would say. Yeah. And was this a gradual process or was this like um, sort of an instant experience or um, uh, occurrence? Yeah, I, I think um, we have observed this in the past, but we knew nothing different. So if people were to say that it didn't work, we say, oh, maybe it just doesn't work for you, but it definitely worked for everyone else. So, or, or we would say that the patient is difficult, uh, for example, because they're complaining so much about this medication. Surely it doesn't have this kind of side effects, this kind of thing. But I left the uh, NHS back in 2016 and just went private practice um for two years and um because i didn't have a large you know uh, large crying client group i had more time to like go on go on twitter and you know check people out and read books and when i was doing the private practice i had the luxury of spending more time with my patients and really listening to their stories because i didn't have to you know see one you know patients after patients i know in busy outpatient clinics so i had like two here and one there and that kind of thing. So I was able to really listen and go into more depth. And uh, I started hearing people you know, say things that I never paid attention to. So that got me curious. And then once I followed some uh, some people on, on the social media, and then I came across more people who have different points of view. And, and so that's that's been my journey of what I've been looking at. But because I'm also interested in well-being, uh, always, always interested in well-being. So I'm not just looking at uh, the treatment of um, so-called mental illness, but also how do we prevent ill health in the first place? And because of my interest in that, uh, you know, I also teach people about well-being and you know um, 
how to look after ourselves. So used to go into strategies and now, you know, I'm less going into strategies as to how to fix ourselves because I realized that, okay, that's again, you know, we are assuming that people are broken, but at a fundamental level, you know, we, we can't be broken. Our spirit can't be broken, you know, at, at a spiritual level. So that understanding combined with my understanding about how medications work and what's missing, I guess that's what, how my practice has grown and the same with my husband. Yeah. And when you say you, you've always been interested in, in, in well-being, what what happened? I mean, okay. why did you get interested? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a very good question, because um, like many people, I had my own story, you know, stories, stuff I made up about I'm not good enough and, you know, lack of um, self-confidence. And um, so I grew up like that, you know, very uh, poor, low self-esteem and um, low self-confidence. But I was also able to hide because I had been to medical school and I was wearing this white coat and the stethoscope. So, you know, had a facade that, you know, everything was fine with me. And when I came to um, uh, England from, from India, because that's where I'm originally from, I had a, um, you know, I, I had some challenges because i could not understand people's accent and i you know it was everything the culture and everything was new to me and then i thought mm, I, I need to psych up so i need to do something about this and i need to get into interest in personal development so that's how it all started you know i started off by going to lots of uh, personal development courses i walked on fire you know anthony robbins that kind of thing oh wow yeah and then, yeah and and then i decided hey why don't i train to be a life coach so while i was training to be a psychiatrist trainee, I started um, learning life coaching, and then I did uh, neuro linguistic programming and lots of lots of different, um, you know, um, tools to put in my toolkit, so to speak. Um, so that's how you know, and as time went off, I realized that it's less to do with tools and more about, you know, the having the self awareness, and, and um, and having the understanding of who we truly are so so that's been a journey really interesting journey i could have never predicted i would be here talking to you about this and you know how yeah. my journey has evolved so tell, tell tell us about walking on you know on <laughs> on the uh i mean is it really that hot i mean is it really fire yeah, I'm sorry about that. My that's my Maltese Milo. He likes to bark. I think uh, there's a sign that someone is near, uh, near the door. Yeah. Um, I hope he will just uh, quite you know just um, okay. calm down after some time. That's all right. Okay. Uh, walking on fire. Basically, it was just cold. It they, there was no real fire. It was just cold after you know, the fire had died down, and then we had been psyched up. The, the day before to just say cool moss, cool moss, that like the incantation that will be fine kind of thing. And they were like, I think hundreds and hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people um, trying to do this. And it, you just feel like that, that kind of a willpower as well. So we did all that. And after the fire walk, People are waiting there to like, uh, if you have got any burns and they will, uh, they will, you know, sort it out immediately. So they're waiting with towels and everything to support you. But it gave us a buzz like, yes, I did it. I walked on fire, but actually it was not proper fire. Oh, so it wasn't, you know, sort of white uh orange coal it was it was uh... well it was cold you know it was yeah. cold but it was not like fire as in burning uh, fire and we yeah, were yeah. walking fire it was definitely this red coal and we had to say 
cool moss rather than oh wow yeah. this this is okay. a angry coal do you see what i mean so it was definitely fire you know def definitely fire death respect but i'm not saying proper fire like big fires that you see yeah. and we are not walking through fires like that yeah yeah and and you know it's sort of at the end of the event or you know towards the i think the third or fourth day that you do this so your your endorphin levels are, are on a sky oh. high level yeah yeah have you done it or have you been i haven't the, uh, i haven't done it i haven't done it but you know i was in the um uh personal development scene back in 2015 um and i did a lot of nlp as well and i met with richard okay. bandler um who's who's a really interesting individual what did you what, what do you think of him um well i haven't him? trained no oh, no i oh. i haven't i haven't trained directly with him but i know about him so i can't make any any comments yes yes what, he's what's a, your what's your take he's a he's a very convincing individual very convincing and um, very driven and doesn't take no for an answer you know he gets what he wants um and he's very articulate and he can you know he can speak for england so to speak you know he oh, uh, oh. Um, yeah, very convincing, and um, I didn't like him much at all, actually, to be honest with you, um, because he's, you know, what, when, when you're having a conversation, you want some leniency to a certain extent, because, you know, if the other person is slightly lenient, then there's more of a interaction between the two, you know, there's more of a dialogue, Um and and that's not something I got from him. You know, it was it was just one way traffic. Um, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. One thing I I've noticed about um, NLP. I mean, lots of people have done NLP, and even doctors. And I I have been in a, you know I I used to be an NLP practitioner. Um, I remember going to a hotel once because uh, we had some kind of um, some kind of conference going on and in another room there were this uh, all these people in business suits and uh, they came out um, and they were having a conference um, and then at one point they were coming off and then you could see the people were coming off from that conference they were like you know almost like practicing nlp and then they would come up to you and all the stranger and say hi how are you and uh, you know daring to go and trying to uh, start a conversation i said, I said oh wow i'm very bold very assertive and, and I do wonder sometimes, like, uh, when we are doing too much of practice of those NLP techniques or any technique, do we sometimes lose touch with the humanness of just being human and having the conversation as a human rather than, a, a, you know, anything else? I mean, I'm not saying that Richard Bendler was practicing his NLP tools when he was talking to yourself, but I think uh, what I'm saying is that it's best not to lose that human touch and and you know um sometimes again in in the leadership field um we talk a lot about, about you know vulnerability and how whether vulnerability is better good or bad in fact in my um that my thriving uh, professionals membership this this month the month of march we are covering the theme of being vulnerable as leaders and I think that when we practice too many of those skills for NLP, sometimes people might just find it disconnecting or like off-putting. And whereas if we just show up as us, as humans, and with whatever you know state of mind we are in, and and we but we convey from the heart, I think there's a, a deeper connection. There is the like, oh, this person will get me, or I can relate to this person, or maybe this is someone I can trust. That kind of thing so I, it just occurred to me when you said that you didn't like him i just wonder 
um, it, it's just a general comment about how sometimes we might um, try try to project ourselves in the world and how sometimes that might just get in the way and and maybe that's not how we ex you know we want to be experienced i don't know what do you think no i mean i agree with you and and when i say um i didn't like him you know not in a derogatory way but in in in, in the mannerisms and i'm mm. i guess um my pushback is if someone pushes at me i tend to push back you know that's my character um and um but you know he's he's uh, very charming very approachable very nice um you know all of the usual stuff but when he does his techniques it's very powerful because it's very assert you know uh, assertive and very domineering i think um and that's why he's quite effective um instantly whether that has any long-term uh benefits you know i'm i'm not too sure yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, you know, it was a, it was an interesting fad for me. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. um, it was an interesting phase. And I've just kind of gone back to idle, you know, my sort of normal idle speed, which is, yeah, much slower and less assertive and just sort of being there in, in the pocket um, or in the zone. Um, and which so, one do you like better? I'm just curious. I mean, the assertive one is quite nice, actually. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, it's it's um, yeah, it, it's nice because you can you can dominate the other person. Um, so it you know plays on our you know egos, and it, it sort of inflates us, um, and 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 I see that happening, you know um in our in our uh, consultations with other people and you know clients and so on um but then you think to yourself well you know what's happening here am i am i actually doing any good or or you know is this is this beneficial in the long term and i think it isn't i think it isn't mm. um yeah because you walk away you you know you may be feeling great and sort of everything but the other person's actually just had a horrible time mm um but looking back yeah i mean i guess i mean as with most things you know we don't have that sense of wisdom then you know we don't have that sense of uh all-encompassing knowing uh we just think it's the right thing and then we step back and after you know a bit of time we think to ourselves well actually mm, um, it wasn't the right thing to do um but you know that comes with time so you're from india um yeah. Whereabouts in India? Uh, Assam. That's where the Assam tea comes from, where you get in the supermarkets. You know. Ah, right. I don't know where that is. Is that sort of north, south, east, west? Northeast. Northeast. Oh wow, wow. Okay, so that's northeast. So that's. I mean, I'm not very good with geography. <laughs> uh, that's close to kind of Bangladesh, is it? Or. Yeah, you can say you can say that Bangladesh is um, below us, and Nepal is. We are just, um, you know, if you think of Nepal, so we are just yeah. south of Nepal. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have have you ever been to Nepal? Is that is that something that that you're close no, to? No, I wish. Oh. I mean, sometimes you know, when it's very close to home, you say one day, one day, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I'll I'll go there, and it never happened. And yeah. I was thinking from here, like, oh, maybe one day I need to go back to uh, Nepal. And, uh, I don't think it's going to happen now because you know I didn't go when we were so close. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to Kathmandu a few years ago, uh, and that was quite interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of temples there, a lot of temples, mm. which was quite striking, and it was really lovely actually. You know, seeing all the colors and all the uh, artifacts and the statues and um, just the rituals. You know, the rituals are really, really important there, and it just gives you that sort of sense of grounding of, of uh, seeing people so disciplined. Right. You know, I, I think that's really nice. Um, um, yeah. So um, tell us about sort of um, when you realize that you've got more time with your clients, what, what were you thinking then? You think, hmm, maybe I need to be looking at something else. I guess you were immersed in all this, you know, alternative ways of well-being. Um, yeah. Where did you get this notion about sort of the inside rather than the outside? Well, it's just it's just a metaphor, you know. Maybe maybe again that's misleading about the inside and outside. Like you might say, what's inside and what's outside? Do you mean inside the body and outside the body? And then people get very confused. But you know, um, I uh, since my NLP days and since my EFT days, I mean, emotional freedom techniques, I mean, don't get me wrong, I can still use those techniques to help people. But I have realized that on the superficial level, they all seem to work, like call it CBT, call it, you know, a solution focused therapy, call it NLP, they all seem to work, you know, in people who say it's, it's really changed my life, it's, it's saved my marriage, and it changed my behavior, or I, I was able to kick my addiction habits because of this. So you know, what are you talking about? So there's nothing wrong with any of those. Even medi medication is a tool. And again, some people will say medication has really helped them change their life. And some other people will say, no, absolutely not. It did nothing to me. In fact, it made me worse. So all the tools that we have got on the surface level, they do seem to help, but they seem to lose their magic after some time. So the tool that you thought really helped you uh, for a particular behavior or something, then after some time, it just seems to lose its touch. And, you know, you just feel so like, mm, I'm missing something in my life. So th th it seems like there's something missing. There's something missing. Like, and I guess when we get to like a middle age or later, at some point, we all think, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? Like, I'm making all this money. I'm a doctor. I'm working hard. And, you know, I'm juggling all these roles. But at what cost? And especially if we are stressed and burnout. And at some point, we do sit and contemplate like, why am I even doing this? You know, or, you know, is money everything? And I guess there are some deeper questions in life that's not answered by the techniques like NLP and EFT or any other technique. So the deeper questions and, you know, um, there's no easy answer as well. So you can't say, ah, so my meaning of life is this, you know, that's, that's a very intellectual um, response to a very deep question. And I think when we have those deep questions and we all have, we, it seems like we are, on some kind of journey and then we start exploring like the meaning behind you know everything we we take for granted or why things turn out this way or you know anything and and for both me and my husband we have been in this journey of like what we call you know just just uh make you know realizing that this is not who i am like you know for a long time i used to say oh this is who i am and i <laughs> talking about my husband i would you know even the other day we were just um, laughing about um when we were in medical school and we used to have disagreements and uh, or arguments and i would just say this is who i am 
you know, you, you take me as I am because I'm not going to change. And it's fascinating, although I thought I'll never change and I didn't want to change, here I am and having a very different mindset or perception about, you know, different things. And, and, and so what I'm saying is that the best thing we can all do is really say, okay, I'll, I'll do all this stuff. That's okay. I can go for a run. I can do gym. I can do yoga. All those things that we say is good for mental health. Keep doing those. But what I'm saying is that sometimes, you know, we might feel that that's still not enough. Like there seems to be something deeper that I'm like itching for. I want to, you know, it just feels like there's some emptiness of some kind. And if we don't know that, we might be looking for an external fix. Like, okay, we might look for you know, something else to fulfill us. But it might be just, just our heart earning for us to know ourselves better. And, and, and so I'm definitely talking about, you know, uh, spirituality here. I'm definitely not religious. My husband is not religious. We never been to, you know, we used to go to temples like once in a while, especially in medical school. And, you know, being from India, we used to have a puja or, you know, worship and the goddess of learning called um, um, oh, Saraswati. So Saraswati is a goddess of learning in India. So I remember in medical school, although I'm not religious or anything, I would definitely go for the puja, Saraswati puja and say, I hope I get good grades for food, for, for my exams and that kind of thing. So it was like- And you I did, pray. you did, it worked. <laughs> I wish it did, <laughs> but there yeah. you are. That the placebo yeah. effect, and it might work. But so, so what I'm saying is that I've never, you know, I've never been, I never considered myself religious, but I considered myself spiritual. Uh, it seems like I was looking, you know, there was something else that I didn't know how to put my finger in or how to describe it or anything. But and obviously that, then I got interested in spirituality and what I share with people now uh, when I say innate health and innate resilience, I'm 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 talking about our our spiritual essence, and, and most people will say, well, I'm I'm an atheist, atheist. I'm you know I'm I'm not religious at all. Like I, I'm not spiritual. But hang on a minute. When we say human being, you know, what's the being aspect of human? You know, the the being aspect that we don't. Uh, we, we don't, we just dismiss in a way, and we are just focusing on a human. And it's like, is that all we, all that is to us? Like, is Rani Bora just a human, just this form with her accent, Indian accent and, a, you know, Indian looks and that kind of thing? Or, or is there more to the, her just in flesh and blood and her thinking and her, you know, feelings and her experiences? And we all know that there's definitely more to that. And that's what I, we have been intrigued by over the last few years. And when we, you know, and, and, and when we just get quiet, I guess, you know, rather than listening to the noise in our head constantly and say, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. And when we just spend some time in quiet or just appreciating the quiet, I guess we just, um, we, we just know that there's more. That's what I would say to people. And that exploration that has really helped us with our own stress, uh, stress with our own challenges that we, we face, we all face. And it has also, you know, it has realized uh, one cool thing about mental health that, you know, it seems like mental health comes and goes, you know, people say so like, you know, people become unwell and so mental health completely goes away. That's definitely on a surface level because symptoms arise when the, when the mind is very, you know, uh, uh, is, is lost or is overwhelmed. But uh, what, what, what we're saying is um, that still does not affect your spiritual essence. So the, the true mental health or your, true, your spiritual essence is not affected by any of those. If people don't know this, 
and only focus on the surface level. They will think, well, I have got depression, I have got psychosis, so what's the point of my life? And this is it, my life is doomed. And it's very difficult to find hope when you're just skirting the uh, surface level and you're just trying to fix that. So for, you know, in, in terms of uh, in my, my, in my opinion, and from what I've said, true personal recovery or, you know, true personal recovery for the person happens when they go beyond that, to seeing beyond that, that I'm just someone who's depressed or, you know, have all these challenges um, to like, who, who am I truly? And just explore, you know, exploration of the spiritual aspect of being human. I think that's when people find more, uh, more at peace and they might still do the medication and the you know, CBT and everything else, but they have a more groundedness in I am okay at the deeper level. And that's the message I'm sharing, I share with my patients. So it's like a sort of a, um, a supracognitive level of being, you know, it's sort of above the cognitive and above the thought. Meta, you can say meta, yeah. metacognitive. I, I, we say beyond mind. <laughs> yeah. So in, in fact, our, um, um, we used to call our, you know, on the Facebook page, we used to say beyond mind by Dr. Sranya Suresh, because one thing is that we are focusing a lot on the mind, the mind aspect and what we think, how to change a thinking, how to change a feeling, uh, how to have a different perspective. That's all mind because we are still using our mind. We are using our intellect to think about changing our problems and everything. And sometimes it gets very over, you know, it, 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 most of the time it gets very overwhelming when we're trying to sort out a problem with a thinking mind. So there's something about going beyond mind to sort of, you know, of course that needs to be addressed. We are not talking about being denial. So that needs to be addressed, but we know that um, worrying about things is not going to help. The more the mind is clear, then we will come up with fresh ideas. So that's, that's the whole point. So it's not about thinking again, like or in meta thinking or metacognition, because we are saying, rather than being in your head, drop to your heart, so to speak. But we're not talking about this, this physical heart, we're talking about a different space of being. And, and how can you get there, given that, you know, you're, a, you're a, um, a doctor of tools, and you love all kinds of tools? You know, what are sort of ways in which you can get into the metaphysical heart? You know, people have their own experiences. And, you know, some people might say, not everyone, but might, some people might say, you know, when I, I just drop, drop into that quiet space, I, I and you know I might be just going out for a walk in nature, and suddenly I just felt like you know, the heavy load is lifted from my head, and I'm just like in awe of nature, and I just feel this in a feel this sense of um, peace all surrounding me. That that kind of experience. Some people, for some people, it might just be that they are watching the sunset, and then they are you know washed over by the sense of peace. Or so for other people, it might be like seeing their baby or playing with the dogs or um, doing yoga and going to deep meditation. So there's no one thing, but we, we can't say that every time we go and see a sunrise uh, or a sunset, then we will have that experience. Like you know, it's still there, but sometimes we have the thinking mind going on too much. And you know, once when the mind quietens down and we are not um, believing our thinking, so to speak, like, you know, analyzing our thinking, so on, we, and we are just allowing it to be all those experiences, all those thoughts, we have no choice, but, you know, to settle down into the space where we just have a calming experience. And so 
rather than doing it's a matter of undoing so do you see uh, what, what i mean so we don't need to do anything proactively to fall in the space we can try to but it's going to be hard work just think of all the people saying i'm trying to meditate and i can't meditate but at some point they fall into that meditative space when they're least expecting it and and that space is available you know all the time is um and you know we fall into it time and again when we are less bothered by our thinking and just get quiet so but we don't create a, a space um, that that quiet space is already there it's just like we are too much in our head but for some in some instance when you forget to be in our head we then go into that space and that's very effortless that doesn't need any doing on our part and that reminds us of of our true nature. So it's quite an individual process, and it's a um, you know, as you said, it's an individual journey. Um, yeah, which is a different narrative from sort of current society because it's all about you know metrics and 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 tools and monetization and popularity and and um, large scale uh upscaling or whatever they call it so it 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 goes against that you know the current narrative of of society that's being bombarded to us by um all sorts of things and you know having you know having a i think the word is um a hive mind everyone yeah what mind hive mind it's called i think yeah everyone everyone has the same thought process and the same thinking and you know it's a bit like the borgs um in star trek right remember, <laughs> okay. you know if so if there's a problem in sort of one sector of the universe um you know they're fighting you know this particular star trek uh, uh, uh spaceship all the borgs you know experience that as well um you know it's like one big hive um but what i'm understanding from what you're saying is that it's a very individualistic process you know it's a very personal process because everyone can get into that space but it's we're not sure that there is you know like one way to always get into that space yeah and at the same time, say, for example, if people go on retreats, for example, yeah. um, and, and, and the environment is such that someone is sharing something very profound about, um, you know, whatever it is. And, and let me again bring out the, you know, the, the case of spirituality. Say someone is going on and have, have gotten on a yoga retreat, for example, and everyone is there for the yoga retreat to have a good time to relax and eat good food and all do all the yoga exercises and everything all of them more or less might have be be able to slow down and get quiet and and experience the vibes from other people so i guess you know the environment also matters so um so that might be easier rather than if someone was trying to do yoga in a very noisy environment where everywhere there was noise and people were shouting together they wouldn't have that experience there is something around collective collective experience as well you know and, and we have all seen that and think about a large um, football stadium where you know the the the, the people the, the people who are the majority of the people who are supporting the team wins and all everyone cheers up and everything you you get to experience that sort of vibe that energy so i guess so it depends on the setting as well um so but in our day-to-day 
environment in a home and everywhere we are all what we call we are all having separate realities like i live with my uh, husband and two children um you know uh, they, they are no longer children well one is going to be a teenager the other one's already a teenager and we have two dogs and we all have our own stuff going on for us have separate realities and so i might be in a good space but someone might come and say something and then and and they might be in a very difficult uh, so yes yeah, so that way we are uh, on a day to day we are on an individual path so to speak but occasionally we do come together don't we for retreats or conferences and we uh, you hear something because the person is talking about something very profound and we, it touches our heart and it might not be the same level but we all seem to go away having a better experience than when we first came in and it depends on and so one one thing that one word that comes to me as we speak either is insight which is a sight from within so rather than what someone else is teaching us or what we are telling someone else is what um, occurs to the person, what they experience or what they see for themselves. So, you know, you're a doctor and, and, and me too, and we can give all kinds of advice to our patients and, and but what really strikes them, you know, and, and because some people might be able to make a behavior change as a result of what they heard and other people is like, we said exactly the same thing and they still haven't heard anything. So it's not the, the message as such, it's like, you know, uh, you know, obviously how we said it and so on, but what they really heard from that uh, interaction that might kind of vibe for them. yeah it's the kind of vibe that you give um and you know the kind of essence and attention um and the unspoken word that you're uh you know that you're giving across yeah no that's that's for sure but also what the person you know what the person is receiving because you could be doing you know imagine two patients coming to your office mm -hmm. you're giving the same vibe the same you know you you you're being present you're doing everything but depending on their reality and what's happening mm -hmm. in their head someone might be able to receive that and get something and someone else might be so like distressed or um you know completely distracted that despite that it's not affecting them so it's about the sight from within the inside that is really important for the person to ha have a transformation that's what i'm trying to say how how do we do that i mean or or we can't do that it just depends on the other person changing themselves you are absolutely right it's the you know it, it's that that person um so so like you were saying before this before we started uh, before you hit record we were talking about how you know sometimes we feel like oh it's i did it it was my job you know i did a great job and it's easier with the surgery like you know of course you have done a successful surgery so yes you did did it but in i mean you're talking about mental health and you're saying well is it the same in mental health i guess in the mental in the mental health it's more like again the psychology isn't it um it's like i i have patients some some patients who just love my messages and they really get on and other people they, they really can't hear not because there's something you know wrong with them you know in terms of like or they don't want to or something but they are in a very different uh, space of consciousness you can say of the level of understanding it's very it's very they are they're finding it very difficult to take in anything that i'm saying because they are not in that space and but you know um until and it might be that they just need the time they might need more support they might need some intervention but uh, and or it might be that they are fearful of um you know of hearing anything else or changing anything so there, there are lots of factors at play 
that ultimately this is why the therapy in the therapeutic relation is a matter of trust it's a matter of just taking it slowly and being present and and like you said rather than us advising people when people you know when we give people that space the safe space to just be and you know open up and we just have a conversation and this is what coaching is isn't it coaching is rather than us telling you should be doing this you should be doing that we are just asking questions and we are deeply listening and and, and when we are genuinely curious and when the person is ready i think that's the thing about the readiness isn't it um then then they are they will hear something and they might be able to make some changes and the readiness of the person depends on where they are in life isn't it um so that's that's what i would say yeah 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 i think maybe um the traditional medical um conversation may be going towards coaching you know given that patients are much more informed about their health and you know information in general do you think that's something that's sort of possible that sort of we're going down well i would say in the branch of uh, medicine called lifestyle medicine um, many, many other lifestyle physicians are understanding the role of coaching in their consultations. And many, you know, I know of many lifestyle medicine physicians and, and they are, they are, you know, most people, people are just going on to, um, learn coaching because they realize that how important it is rather than saying, oh, these are the six pillars of lifestyle medicine. You need to do this, 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 they know it doesn't work. So they have gone to coaching. And I, I think it'll be nice for, um, for coaching to become one of the, you know, um, one of the expectations or um, what do you call it? Uh, um, one of the skills that all, you know, all doctors need to learn, not just doctors, any uh, healthcare professionals need to learn because the coaching then starts with us. Like we need to coach ourselves, you know, what is it that I'm not seeing and what is it that I'm struggling with? What, you know, what is it that I think is causing the stress? And the more we turn the mirror to ourselves first before trying to coach our patients, I guess we will be, it'll be, it'll be, we'll be, um, um, it'll be easier to coach other people, I would say, because you, you have asked those questions to yourself and you have been, you know, you just got quiet, you got curious rather than coming up with a cognitive answer like, oh, I should be doing this. Like genuinely that if you know that you need to be doing this, what's stopping you? That kind of thing. Um, so, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, coaching is a skill we all need, but I don't think it's just happening just because the um, people are, the patients are more aware doesn't mean that the doctors are also more aware and they have started to coach. Yeah, I mean... I found coaching fascinating because you're exposed to, 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 to so many different, you know, people and, you know, different ways of life and different thoughts and philosophies and, and ideas. And, and it sort of expands our own understanding of different things. And um, I know you're, you're a fan of curiosity and, and, um, but yeah, I, I think coaching is something that, um, you know, because it's, because it's, because it it's not restraint and that's something that i found really you know frustrating in medicine because there's only a few pathways you can go down um whereas in coaching it's sort of uh, you know as long as the attention is there and is and 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 as long as the the presence is there um it can go in any direction mm. And, and you know it's different when you first start learning uh, about coaching to when 
uh, and using the coaching as a tool to when coaching becomes a, a way of being. Uh, what I mean by that is when I first started learning about coaching, it was like I used to have all those questions that I need to, needed to remember, like all those like, you know, questions that I could just um, hundred questions a, of coaching. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, coaching questions like who who do you be, you know, yeah. you know in, in five years time and in 10 years time, if you were to stop this or if you wanted to take 100 percent responsibility in your life, what what would you do differently? So there are some box set coaching questions with we are we learn in coaching school when we go there but there is something else that emerges when we start you know shining a light or you know where, where we sort of um start focusing on our own needs and our own blind spots and i guess where i am now is that i i don't say i'm practicing coaching it's like coaching in it just the questions just um, evolve, you know, they just come up and at the time when I, I need, you know, it needs to come out. So that's, that's what I would say is why any coaches listening to this, any doctors wanting to be coaches or in, no matter where you are in your, in, in your uh, coaching skills, I think the more we, you know, the, the more attention we look to within and like say, you know, Am I, I, I would say self-awareness, but self is as in not is this just body awareness, but more as in self as in spiritual awareness, something happens. And in that, in that kind of coaching, we get more present because, you know, we talk about active listening and coaching, but active listening could be very much a, like, a, I'm trying to listen, you know, do you see it like cognitively, I'm trying to listen to what you're saying in a coaching conversation. But in, when we, when, when we, when we explore the other dimension that I was saying, like when we go deeper in any coaching, I guess we know that we are not even trying to listen. We are just listening. You know, we are not even trying to provide the space. We are the space and we are having that conversation. So there's something more effortless when, as we, as we, you know, as, as we play with coaching, as we as we explore what does coaching mean and what, what you know, and the whole essence of coaching, which which is transformation for the other person. You see what I mean? So it's not about the particular tools you're using, but the person in front of me, they are here because they want to change something in their life or they want to transform their lives and, and, and what is going to be helpful. So rather than thinking about all the tick box questions and everything, I'm sure all the um, all the experienced coaches will say, I'll never do this, but I'm just saying that there's a deeper dimension to any, any amount of work we're doing. There's always a deeper dimension. And I have found in my own life is the deeper dimension that I can help people with during coaching is by going into that, that unknown zone, so to speak, like, you know, where there are no answers that I can't, I, I'm not expecting an answer from them or they can't just say, oh, this is what the answer is, but which makes them reflect and just pause and say, Actually, I don't know the answer and I'm okay with not knowing the answer, but let, let's keep exploring and let's just keep looking in this direction and something shifts. Am I making sense either? I can go on and on. Am I making any sense to you? Um, yes, it makes sense to a certain extent, for sure. Um, you know, these aren't easy topics to talk about um, because, as you said, it is an unknown field. Um, and the unknown causes trepidation and, and it, it causes, you know, people to sort of back away because it's, um, because it's frightening um, and it's unexpected and one doesn't know, you know, how to react, uh, you know, to the unexpected. 
but you know, uh, with time, I think people get the answers. Um, we're used to tools, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we're always used to fixing things and, and, and um, putting things in the right place. And when it, when it doesn't make sense, you know, it does make you sit up and, and uh, reflect. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think, yeah. you know, I think reflection is really important. And, you know, that happened to you when, when you had the time to actually sit down and reflect with your patients. You know, that's, mm. you know, that, that, that was your big transformative moment for you. Well, the big, that, that was one of them. The, the other big transformative moment was when I was least expecting it. Can, do I have time to quickly? Oh, yes. That? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Okay. So, um, so I had always, um, I had always been like a tool collector. So I used to say, and I was never satisfied, like, okay, I did all this training on NLP, EFT and narrative coaching and, you know, you name it, <laughs> I've done everything because if, you, if someone says, oh, have you tried it? I say, oh, I be better try it because it's like, I didn't want to be left behind and I wanted to collect all the tools. And, and I, I said, you know, another tool for my toolbox. And then if my patient's present with this problem, I'm going to take out this tool. And if it doesn't work, then I'll take out other, another tool. So I was a tool collector for a long, long time. And uh, I was doing re really well with emotional freedom techniques, the tapping, and I think it still it definitely works and because it makes the, um, it changes the physiology. And so for, if someone is very anxious or going through drug withdrawal, that kind of thing, it can really help. So I, I was really doing well in that. And um, my trainer in EFT decided to just leave EFT and she, you know, I was uh, going to get her business because, you know, where I was, she was the main person running, uh, offering the training, you know, for, uh, trainers training and everything. And I was like, okay, um, so I will be able to get house uh, place with my, with my business partner. But I got curious, like, how on earth could you leave this for something called, you know, called the three principles or the innate health understanding. So I, I just had to find out. So I sent my husband to her, her um, workshop once. He says, just find out what she's up to because I want to make sure if there's a nice tool that I can use. I don't and want he's to a good sacrifice behind. as well. You know, he's a good sacrifice. You can sacrifice. Yeah, him, because, yeah. yeah, why did she leave it? Because she had a very good business. But it was like, I don't mind her leaving because I was getting going to get all her business. But anyway, my husband went and I was like waiting for him to come back home. He comes back home and I said, what did you learn in the workshop that, you know, tell me. He was like, just calm and he was just peaceful and he said you know it was just good and you know it was nice feeling and i said oh bullshit you know is this why i sent you is this all it is like nice feeling you know come on there has to be more than that but anyway i got intrigued and he asked me to read a few books and watch a few videos which i did and then i decided to just say well i'll go for it um and then the the my trainer offered me um one-to-one -one coaching session i said i have nothing to lose but i'll make sure that i get my money's worth okay i've come to you and and then i i remember i was talking about work-related stress with her because i wanted to see how this and this in it understanding can help me so i was firing questions at her because i wanted to make sure i get my money's worth and at some point I, um, I could really feel that um, when I was least expecting it, I feel I felt very almost like 
very um, calming okay and I didn't like that and I also felt like quite drowsy and as if like I was hypnotized and I didn't like that because I said you know what is this this is not a hypnotic you know hypnosis session or anything like that and I wanted to make sure I understood and and she was like sharing about the, the innate health understanding but I just went into another phase where I, I just felt too laid back and I didn't like this and all of a sudden I had this um I had this experience and you know, some people might even call it a spiritual experience, but I, it was not a fun, like aha moment, like happy you know, moment at all. It was like a cloud of dark something, uh, dark clouds or something came over me and I burst out crying and I had an ab reaction. I was, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and I was like surprised why I was sobbing uh, because that was none, it was not rehearsed or it was not in the coaching, you know, thing that this is what you're going to get. And then I cried and cried and it was, even she was taken aback. And then I said, oh my goodness, all this time I thought I was a recovery oriented psychiatrist and wanted to do good for my patients. But actually I saw them as broken and I was trying to fix them. And that was my aha moment or a sight from within when I was least expecting it. I don't know where it came from to this day, but I know that it shook me. It really shook me because until then I never questioned it. I never questioned anything. I was just a psychiatrist doing the best I could for my patients. Something shifted then um and, and then from that on slowly but surely i just saw a different you know i saw a very different um perspective to how people present with mental health difficulties and i know that they are lost uh, but they're not broken at a at a fundamental level and then you know when i spent time in my private practice that was much after this after this main um main um what i say awakening or insight or whatever so i hope this makes sense and talking about unknown I guess, you know, the ego, the, the, our mind always wants the known, like we want certainty. We don't like uncertainty, but whether we like it or not, life is so uncertain. You know, we don't know what's going to happen next, do we, at any point. So when we say, you know, we only like certainty, we are teaching ourselves to be fearful or we are taking the mind for granted and say, okay, mine must be right. I need to be fearful. But the more we can be open to see, like a lot of things in life are uncertain. A lot of things are unknown. And if you're open, but you know, we are not saying that, you know, you need to um, risk it and dare it all and that kind of thing. Just just be open. Just be open to hearing something fresh. Some, and if you are struggling with stress or overwhelm and you think, I've tried everything, I've tried yoga, I've tried everything, nothing seems to work. And, and, and maybe there is something more to see, see deeper. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's okay to be, you know, to be fearful of the unknown. Even I fear the unknown at some level, but I also know that that's just in the mind and it changes constantly. No, that makes sense. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm up for the unknown all the time to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say yes all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, that's where the gold is, you know, in the uncharted and unexplored areas. Um, I mean, that's why I do the podcast, because I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's all it's all unknowns. And, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, you don't know what kind of door you're walking into. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're and, and, you know, you've got right about what you're doing. I mean, you've got your podcast um, and, you know, it's all about listening into wellness, uh, well-being, yeah. listening into well-being. Yeah. Um, what got you started in the podcast? Well, 
it's one of those things that you you just uh, do um i think it just made sense for us to share um i have to say that we have posted for some time because there has so many projects going on yeah uh, but i think um for for a long time i i had this thing fear of again the unknown of um showing up and and sharing my message my way because you know what would people say and what if i have a lot of critics and that kind of thing and i wouldn't show up i wasn't on social media and i had to be very mind i was very mindful of what i put out there and what i found that with time and it's just a, something inside me that you, know, you can call it passion or you can see that I, what's something I see is that it's coming out the way it needs to come out. So I guess that it came out in the form of a podcast. Now it comes out in the form of some short videos I make for, um, for LinkedIn or my, some of my LinkedIn posts. And, and I'm very unstructured. I don't do it like every single you know, Monday I'm going to send this out. And I try to be, but again, you know, it's just trying. But the, 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 the thing is about... Um, just following your heart. And, and I know that there's a message in me that's desperate to come out. And it's coming out because for a long time, maybe I was like holding back and fearful of being judged and the unknown. Just like you, just like you started the podcast, it also made sense for us to make the podcast. And, and it makes sense for us to do so many different things, but it's following the heart. Yeah, I would say following the heart and, and just um, seeing where it leads to. And um, uh, I like to ask this question sort of at the end, sort of for all my guests. And, um, um, you know, what would you advise the, what, what, what would be your three top um, advice to your, to yourself, you know, your, your 18 year old self, uh, you know, Rani, um, having gone through what you've gone through? Um, over the last oh my goodness i mean you know one or two years because you're only 21 isn't it isn't that isn't that what you're <laughs> yeah yeah i might look a bit older but i'm 21 <laughs> wow so that's a great question i never thought about uh, and um but i would love to answer it i don't know whether i come up with three or more or less but um let's let's have a look when, when I was 18, I, I really believed that, uh, you know, somehow I, I was not good enough. And I, I believed it. I sincerely believed it. Uh, and I kept comparing to everyone else. And I know that's, that's just something I made up, my mind made up, and not to, not to believe that story. Um, I also had a very restricted view of the world that, you know, this is how it is, and quite rigid in my ways. And like I said before, like, this is who I am uh, kind of thing. And, and I would just um, say to the 18 year old that, you know, okay, this is, this is what you believe. And, and maybe there's something more for you to explore um, and, and not to get so wound up about it because as, as an 18 year old, I was very insecure and had lots of self-doubts and everything. And, the, and, and, the, and the final one for the 18 year old would be that, um, I don't know what the final um, would be for an 18-year-old, but um, I, I guess, again, I would say in the message that I give my patients um, that you may be lost, but you are not broken. I think that message also um, would have applied for the 18-year-old Rani because she thought she was broken at some level. Wonderful. That's great. You know, that's very reassuring and very, very, very calming. Um, how can uh, people get hold of you? What's the best way? 
Right. People um, can just go to our website, which is uh, com, And if you just um, Google Rani Bora, I I'm sure you'll find me on uh, most of the major uh, social media platforms. And, and if anything resonated with you, by all means, get in touch. And I I'm very happy to um, answer your questions or queries. Thank you so much, Rani. It's been a pleasure.